like unsure about what I wanted to do, but as soon as I got into like the art school, like I loved it. Okay, yeah. sounds great. Um, in one of the literature, one piece of literature that I've read um, for your, I think, previous exhibition, also here at Mindset Art Center, you said that traveling uh, was a great way for you to learn yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you are a Filipino-American, mm -hmm. so I'm guessing a lot of the travels is between the Philippines and the, the U.S. Yes. Um, what are sort of the, some of the events or experiences that you still remember that help you deepen that self-understanding? Um, I think just being away from the Philippines made me sort of like really aware of what my, like it made me think about what home meant to me. Like being able to see it from a distance, like made me sort of examine it and try to explore like this idea of like what home is. Like, and it made me see maybe things that were wrong with the Philippines mm -hmm. and things that like I liked about it and how that like tied into myself and my identity. If okay. that makes sense, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And then works the other way around as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing when you look at the states from the Philippines side, it looks different than when you are yeah. actually in the states. Right. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, um, how does the Philippines look when you are away from it? Like, how different? Uh, how differently does it look? Um, it's just, um, I feel like it's so tied into my identity. Like, I really see myself as Filipino, so it's like it's it's really a a part of me and it's hard to like see it objectively when I'm there but then when I'm away then I realize like there are parts of it that like coincide with who I am and then parts of it are just like parts of myself are just sort of like influenced by the environment mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah I'm, I'm guessing you spend the, the vast majority of your uh, youth and your teenage and college years in the Philippines right yes um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess you, you would be, I, I think, more accustomed to the culture, the music, and, and the way people, sort of the way people behave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, wow. So the difference when you travel to a Western country, it's got to be pretty uh, clear from the get-go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the thing that, um, the difference that really strikes me is being in Texas, like, I feel like I'm really able to hear myself think. Like, it's very quiet there and very, like, boring. So I'm able to like hear my thoughts while in the Philippines, like, you know, it's like I'm so involved in like the environment. Yeah. Because it's like noisy and it's like crowded and it's like really visually stimulating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's something that's really interesting to me. Yeah. I could imagine just the, the vast and somewhat empty landscape of Texas, as right. far as I know, compared to, um, for example, Manila, where it's crowded and, and humid and dense all the time. It's mm -hmm. got to be so, so different. Um, so. Um, that experience, that's a life experience, how does that sort of, how you channel that into your work and how does it influence you? Yeah, so I guess since like my thoughts about it are so like complicated and like, um, I guess in my work I try to like sort that out and understand it. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's a way for me to like think about who I am and where I'm from. Okay. So painting and making sculpture is almost like a self uh, understanding process right, yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, that's fabulous. Um, <laughs> the term, I think, it fascinates, it fascinates me as well because I'm a, a first-generation immigrant myself. Uh, migrant mentality was mentioned in, in several pieces of literature that I've seen uh, throughout that, that has to do with the work exhibited throughout your career. Um, why is this notion so important to you? Um, it's just really compelling to me. Uh, 
like growing up in the Philippines, I didn't really know many people who had lived away from like the Phil like who had migrated into the Philippines. Okay. Except my father. He was like the only person that I really knew. So like when I got to North America, I just met so many people who were from different places. And it was just really interesting, like really compelling for me. Yeah, to like think about these yeah. things. <laughs> and in terms of, and I guess it's a, when I say mentality is also a feeling and a sentiment, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, what does it feel like, uh, for instance, for you yeah. to be someone from the outside? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just something that you're always aware of maybe. Like it's just, it's, it's like you can never, like I feel like you can never really fully relax. Like, yeah, there's just this feeling of like unsureness. <laughs> Yeah. Is, is there a sense of heightened uh, self-consciousness because you clearly you um, you are a bit different from say people from other parts? Yeah, of the I think so. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, so um, I, I guess a lot of that comes channeled into your current exhibition, which I'm fascinated about. Um, let's start with the title. Um, concurrency, as far as I know, is a mathematical term. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to do with probably my education, mm -hmm. but um, why choose concurrencies as the title of your work this time? Yeah, um, so the definition is like uh, circumstances or events happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, and this in this situation, it's sort of like um, I applied it to the idea of like thinking about the stories of all of these women who I painted mm -hmm. and how like all their stories converged onto like one place North America yeah. but then also like how a lot of their stories were so similar but also different yeah like how there were just similar aspects and similar like emotions what are some of the similar aspects and emotions that these uh, subjects all have uh, well they all migrated from uh, other places to North America. Sure. Yeah. And like they all have like a kind of like self awareness about being an immigrant. Okay. Yeah. Being in a new place doesn't just mean a new geographic background. More so, it is a feeling of being surrounded by people who look different, who speak a different language, and who are of a different culture. That can certainly give a person a completely different sense of self awareness and self identity. Next week, we'll continue our conversation with Ms. Hannah Pattyjohn on the subject matter, so please stay tuned. For Stroke of Light, I'm Jake Chen. China, first-hand perspectives on a quickly changing society. Hello and welcome to Ion China. I'm Natalie So. China has a generation of little emperors or only children. What are these people? Many of them all grown up now. Like? Today I speak with Mei Feng, the award-winning author of One Child, the story of China's most radical experiment. Fong tells us what she discovered about this generation. First, let me preface by saying it's always very 
tricky writing about a generation, right? Because you can't extrapolate from that and say every person in this mm, particular generation is going to be like this or that. What you can say is every generation has a certain traits which distinguish it from every other generation before. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, the baby boom generation, what distinguishes it from, say, the millennials. For China, the what they call the 80s and 90s, the 80s and the 90s, obviously one of the things that distinguishes them from every other generation is the one-child policy, especially for those in um, urban areas. So when I went into asking the big question, what does it mean for a nation when you have so many um, only children? Will it, for example, create a nation of entitled spoiled brats and if it does what are some of these effects on the nation as a whole in terms of economic growth um or it does it not so i looked at a lot of um social scientists data and studies on that among this bucket of research um there was one in particular i found interesting because it was done by australian economist very recently and instead of using behavioral studies which most of these others had done you know uh, surveys uh they played games measuring psychological, um, you know, reactions, you know, games to measure your risks, appetite for risk, your appetite for altruism, whether you shared more, whether you were more optimistic. And what they concluded was there were quite some sharp differences that the one-child generation was markedly less optimistic, more pessimistic, really less altruistic. <laughs> that we um, can't imagine, but so, do you know why they might be less optimistic? Um, I think the less optimistic, and, and this is the part where we veer into what I think versus actual right, data right, right. out there from my, my many interviews. And my theory on that is, is because there is a huge amount of pressure and expectation on them as an only mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. And I think this is different from people arguing the only child syndrome in other countries because you're talking about an entire nation. So a lot of the effects are particular and specific to China. So for one is, I mean, the oldest of the one-child generation are no longer children. They're in your 30s. So, you know, multiplied parents in their 50s and 60s. The expectations for them, uh, you know, in terms of having to take care of their aging population is huge. Secondly, as the only child, um, everything is focused on them. Uh, you know, so, you know, the expectations of success, for marriage, and so on, are, are particularly concentrated and focused. And thirdly, because this generation is peculiar, because the parents before that, many of them came from, say, the Cultural Revolution. They went through a lot of hardship. So I, when I interviewed a lot of these um, single children, one of the things they kept saying was, we have to fulfill our parents' expectations because our parents didn't get all the chances we did. Many mm. of them maybe didn't get to go to college because the Cultural Revolution closed all the schools. And so now they really want us to go to college and fulfill the road that we didn't have. So one of the things I talk about in the book was um, there was a talk show host in China and she actually invited single children to write her letters, you know, about what they thought. And many of them expressed this sort of a deep um, depression or oppression, you know, like I, my parents expect so much of me. I have so much pressure. Um, I, my parents only eat vegetables all day, all week. And then they only save all the nice expensive meats and delicious food for when I go home on a weekend from school so that I can have a lovely meal, but I feel so guilty, you know, that sort of thing. Or, um, you know, some boy will be like, "Uh, I live in a dorm in the city and my mother wakes up every morning and before she goes to work, she comes to my dorm and and tidies up for me. (laughs) 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 And, And I feel so bad and guilty and all this there's a sense of that so in you know in terms of 
generations, these, this generation has a tendency to label themselves quite negatively. They call themselves t- terms like si, or which is a kind of a vulgar slang for loser, or kupi, yeah. uh, which describes like an at- attitude of depression in a sense. I mean, my, part of it you could argue is young people just being very, you know, you know, negative, negative uh, right. which is very functional. But I do see some specific changes, and I also see it in in, in um, sh- demonstrated in the society. For example, um, one of the things I noticed was um, some of these major companies will actually put in their advertisements, uh, "We prefer applicants with siblings." We wow. don't want only children. And then when I talk to some of them, then they say, well, it's because, you know, say this job involves a lot of travel. And we find that when we hire people, only children, the parents tend to object and they tend to quit very soon after. So we, we don't want. And of course, China has no workplace discrimination law. So they can explicitly say, right. we don't want only children. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it seems like um, a lot of disadvantages for these children. You would think that they have all the resources, well, they all do the have love. some terrific advantages. <laughs> To which, you know, I think even the world gets to see or enjoy. For example, this has been a huge 